Welcome to the Kickstart Your Book Sales Podcast with USA Today bestselling authors Russell Nolte and Monica Lionel, where you'll learn how to supercharge your book sales, go aggressively wide, and take your author career to the next level. Hello, everyone. Kickstart Your Book Sales Podcast. <laughs> We're back with some Kickstarter success stories. Hello, Jamie. Hi, everybody. Hi, Jamie. It's good to see you too, both. Yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing you in Vegas here in a couple of weeks. Yes, I know you're going to be very busy, as you always are in tw- at 20 Books, though. Yeah, we were just talking about uh, 20 Books right before on our other call that we had before this call. So <laughs> we're, we're getting everything finalized and set. So we're very, very excited. And I'm excited to see you, but you're not in a coffee shop. That's what I associate you with now. Like, yeah, well, I, and I finished that book today. So um, I'm excited about that. I got got hit hit the end around 9.30 this morning. So that was awesome. Congratulations. Awesome. Did you give yourself a donut to celebrate? It, the donut was sitting right there waiting for me to type the end. Every Aww. bit of it. Nice. nice. Wonderful. So um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and the series that you did on Kickstarter and as I do what I should have done before and pull it up. So um, my name is Jamie Davis. I write what I like to call fun fantasy and sci-fi reads. Um, I you, In my Kickstarter, I actually took my very first series, which has nine books and a prequel, um, and um, decided to do uh, three omnibus hardcover editions of the of the nine main books. So that was um, that ended up being you know three books per omnibus, and uh, so volumes one, two, and three in hardcover. It was it was um, something I'd always kind of wanted to do, and so when I got the idea to do the hardcover um, to do the Kickstarter, this was the first thing I wanted to do. It popped into my mind right away. Yeah. yeah, the Omnibus Trilogy. I think you're the only author who ended up doing the Omnibus Trilogy. Um, is that right? I'm trying to think of anybody else who did that. But I mean, because it it's kind of a more intense project as well. It um, was, and, it, and I was worried bit. about the price of it. I mean, the cost of, because I priced each book, it, it came out to be, you know, so that I could make a profit. Um, it came out to be $75 per hardcover, including shipping inside the U.S., but still mm-hmm. um, not, not inexpensive. Now, that's signed. It's a one-of-a-kind one, one edition, so you can only have gotten it through Kickstarter. It, these these um, omnibus editions have extra short stories at the back and extra content, so they're, they're very much unique to the uh, Kickstarter backers. And that was what I was hoping would would encourage people to to um, come on board. Yeah. And I think also having three hardcovers is kind of a challenge. I mean, that's, you know, because especially in especially in hardcover edition, just because of minimums and, you know, stuff like that, um, if you if you uh, had to encounter that so i don't know did you did you end up doing the printing through print on demand or did I, you do I a did print through, run or? i went through ingram mm-hmm. so it was print on demand um and that they're all actually i'm getting ready to ship stuff out next week so um it's all here at my house now um all the books came in uh, they're all signed and ready to go um, and I'm really excited about the, how the project came together. I was very pleasantly surprised by the number of people who backed at the higher levels. Um, and yeah, was I was just looking at that. You had a $500, yeah. uh, you had a $500 backer. You had several, uh, like five or six 
$300 backers, four $225 backers. I mean, a lot of high, uh, high ticket backers. I was very surprised. In fact, the $500 backer is one of my best, my most loyal fans in my Facebook group and on my email newsletter. They respond to everything. Um, and they were, they were the first backer. Like as soon as my newsletter went out or as soon as they got the email from Kickstarter, I guess, cause they were following it on Kickstarter, they were the first backer. So I actually funded on the first backer. Wow, <laughs> that's amazing. That's, that's great. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's amazing. And that, that was the, um, that was the Tucker eyes, um, level. So they got all three hardcovers. They got all the digital content. So all the books in audiobook and ebook as well. Um, they got the swag box with the pins and the, the stickers and all that extra stuff. And they also got written into one of my new novels, which I was already getting ready to write over the summer. So I, as soon as they bought in at that level and the Kickstarter closed, I got them on the phone, on the, on a Zoom call and said, Hey, let's do this. Um, and they're out, they're already written into the book. They're actually going to be in the whole series because the character I wrote in for them is going to be present for at least four or five books. That's awesome. incredible. I mean, That's like, how cool is it though for that, that fan? Like, <laughs> I mean, he was so excited. <laughs> uh, it just, and I was really floored by it because I, I just don't, I, you know, I would, I spent money on both of Brandon Sanderson's campaigns. So I shouldn't be surprised that people will drop money for a fan as a fan of a, an author, but I just didn't think of it that would be me. Um, so it's really opened my eyes to the possibilities. And so I would encourage people to really just suck up their pride a little bit and go ahead and do the, the bigger levels and explore what you could do for big money ticket items and things like that in your campaigns, because you're going to be surprised, I think, at the number of people that will buy in at upper levels if you give them value. Yeah. And also, like, you have one backer at $500, like, that makes up for almost a hundred backers at like $5. So mm -hmm. you can do, right. you know, when you need kind of that balance, I'm seeing that in the campaign I'm running now, where like we just ran multiple like campaigns, got a lot of big ticket backers and all of them. And then this campaign, I'm like, Oh, like there's no big ticket backers. So, like there's not been a bump up. Um, uh, like there is usually, but yeah, someone, I think it was Justin yesterday was saying like, yeah, like he calculated it out. Like, wow, that's, he spent, someone spent $250 for a Tuckerization. And that was like what he would consider a good month for like a book on Amazon. Mm -hmm. right. And yeah, Justin's campaign killed it. He yeah. killed it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So I want to, uh, before we move on, I just want to uh, answer Tom's question, which is all of the things that we're doing on these success stories are for prose books, not comics. Like there are lots of really good podcasts. One specifically I've been on a long time, a lot of times called Comics Launch, which does sort of the same thing for Kickstarter comics. But like these are all going to be prose. Some of them will have illustrations inside or things like that, but they're all going to be for for, uh, sure. for prose yeah. books. Specifically yeah, and this, this series is um, basically about supernatural paramedics. They are the paramedics that the, the creatures of myth and legend call when they get injured or ill. So uh, it's a kind of a different twist on things. Yeah, that's cool, though. I, I really like um, I like how in like paranormal shows they have kind of their or also this is a very common trope in like, dr you know, drug related like 
like um like breaking bad or whatever but they have like you have to kind of solve that problem of the pair you know the like where do where do those people like go for like uh you know cop like uh cop services um or medic services and like they you always have those like extra characters and usually they're side characters right but i think it's cool that this is like this is the main the main characters of the story um and what they see so that's yeah. really neat Awesome. Tom has another question, which I think is a good one, which is, Jamie, what was your approach to publishing prior to Kickstarter? So I've been self-published since uh, 2014. Uh, I have uh, 43 books published so far, including, and then on top of that, some box sets and things, combinations of different books in the series, uh, various series that I have. And um, I've been basically a full-time author since about 2018. So I've um, been doing the work and putting the time in. I do a lot of marketing and things. But what Kickstarter has done for me has really changed my whole approach to launching new series. Like I had series that I was going to launch this fall and I'm holding off until I have three books in that series done and I'm going to do a Kickstarter launch with a six-month pre-launch ahead of that so that the people my, and I think my fans are going to jump all over it because I think they're going to be excited to get the book six months before anybody else can get them. Um, so it's going to change. It's really changed my approach to how I fund, how I'm going to fund moving forward the cost of covers and editing and the things that I usually pay for out of pocket. So do you feel like that's your motivation? Um, and, or is there like when you launch a book on, let's say Amazon or wherever else, um, are you able to make, you know, you made six grand on this project. Of course it was a backlist project. So usually frontlist projects can even do better often because it's new stuff. You can bring like your current fans into it. You can find new fans. Um, but like, can't, you know, can you make, so like we see projects come through that hit 10 K like Justin's, as you mentioned. So it's like, can you hit 10 K in a launch on, a retailer um, of like a book or a, a series of books. If you're doing kind of a rapid release model. Um, the, the, the short answer is for most people. And for me, most of the time, no um, on a couple of series that have done better than I expected. Um, I've had some really successful launches, but overall it takes a lot of time for me to, to reach that kind of funding level for a series. So if I can come out of the gate with, say, three books in the beginning of a series and launch at five to $6,000, I will, I will be profitable from then on out. And so everything I make from there, and I can still do a really successful launch on Amazon or if I want to go wide with it or whatever, um, I can still do all those things. Yeah. It's amazing to me because um, what really, when you think of Kickstarter as just like another platform, right? Like if you are taking your books and you put them on Amazon or Kobo, or you put the same nine books, like it will be very hard to do that, to, to make six grand on one platform in like the first month you're launching on it. And we see people all of the time who are hitting even a thousand, even hitting a thousand dollars on a brand new retailer the first time you go there is like not an easy task in a month, in a year, let alone in a month. So like it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's eye opening to see just 
creators who were able to utilize this platform. And sometimes the first time they launch, they do like 10 grand. They'll do like even better than 10 grand. <laughs> yeah. I think that one of the things that I really enjoy the most moving forward is, is really going to be the ability to add extra value to a launch. So there's not, there's no way for me to include custom artwork with uh, an Amazon launch where you can get the book plus uh, a print or something. Um, there's no way for me to include pins or stickers or magnets or any of that stuff when I'm launching on any other book, traditional book platform. But Kickstarter gives me the ability to let my fans choose the extras they want, whether it's through add-ons or through the different tiers. Um, and, you know, even after the fact, when you look at what, what Backerkit was enabled, enabled me to go ahead and get even more add-ons purchased through my, my backers. So there are ways to really offer people things that they want that they just never were able to buy before. Could you, we haven't talked about the backer kit after fulfillment part in the success stories yet. Could you talk a little bit about your experience with backer kit and how you utilized it and whether it was successful for you or not? Yeah. Um, so I, I heard from you and Monica and that, that backer kit, you know, used properly can pay for itself. You know, the add-ons will pay for the cost of using backer kit. And that was very much the, the case for me. Um, I actually, um, I think my cost was, came out to be like around $120. And I brought in a little over $200 in add-ons. So Backerkit brought in additional profit and paid for itself um, by basically entering all the add-ons that I, that I had included in my um, regular Kickstarter campaign. And even a few things that weren't in the Kickstarter campaign that, I, that people asked for after the fact. I uh, see. That's a trick. That's a that, that's an advanced uh, backer kit trick, which is to bring something to backer kit that you only can get on backer kit. I've done that now the last couple campaigns, and wow! Like one time, I made like three hundred dollars on a five dollar. Like every, like I, it was like eighty percent of people. I asked the question, like, "Do you want this thing for five dollars?" and like 158 of 250 people said, yes, I want that. And then the last time I did book plates. And so every time uh, I keep going back and saying, oh, I have this thing that I could bring. And it's it's almost double each time I've done it. It's almost double what I expected on Backerkit. And it gives you a chance to really ask your backers what else they want. So you can use the op opportunity to you know put your updates out there and ask for comments back. In, in your Kickstarter updates about what else would they want as add-ons and get those answers and consider using, adding them in backer kit as extras. And I, uh, I just, somebody had asked for um, a magnet, um, which I didn't ha originally include, but I have a logo for my series and I made a, I was going to make a sticker out of it. So I was like, well, I can make a magnet too. Um, so I got the magnet done and some people just wanted the magnet. They wanted something to throw in their refrigerator. Yeah. Yeah. Makes so much sense. Um, so I was curious if you had any, um, special promotional tricks or like any marketing that you thought worked really, really well, um, during your campaign. Yeah. Well, I think it all started about six weeks before my campaign opened. I really just 
and I'm not usually that much of a planner, but between, between Russell and Monica, you really encouraged me through the, the videos and the things that I was learning that I needed to plan ahead. So I really did a lot of planning for this and I'm so glad I did. I got people excited on my list about it. I, I posted about it on social media. Um, I linked to my page so people could follow it early on. And I did weekly updates for six weeks leading up to the, the Kickstarter. And so I think at launch time, I had 70 backers, the following 70 people following the Kickstarter, which I had hoped to have 50. So I exceeded my pre-planned amount. Uh, next time I'm going to shoot for a hundred. Uh, but that's, um, that was, you know, instantly, I instantly got traction that first day was, just, I think I hit $1,800 on day one. So yeah. everybody that was there to follow got in and bought in, including the first person who bought in at 500 bucks. So it was a good day. Yeah, that's, and you were, did, you were one of the first like bigger campaigns that we saw too, I think. Like you did this like early in the year. So I can't wait to see what you do like with an entire year of like the community <laughs> behind you as well. Like you probably like, and with a new project, you can probably yeah, get new up project. 10K. I would think, like, yeah, I would think there's a possibility of 10K as well, just because, you know, your campaign was really successful. It was, it was over 6K and that was, you know, that's on backlist. Uh, which I think it's, I think that's like such an important thing for people to understand is like, that's 6k of like extra money from, you know, it's like you, like you're, you would never, I mean, like, I, I don't want to say never, cause like some people do make a lot of money on their backlist, but it's like, you know, that series has probably made its money, um, in the past. And like, could you have a 6k month with that series? Now, like that would be very challenging to do. Even um, with a, even authors. with a book bub, the last book bub I got for this series, I think I I ended up doing about two thousand dollars over the course of a month and a half after the book bub. Yeah, because I think you took your books out of KU. For, I did, like, and that's two. why. So you, I that's think the two. Kickstarter Accelerator Group, we were planning on launching everybody in July, but my KU came up at the beginning of June, so I pulled them out of KU, launched a few days after that. And then, um, as soon as the back, as soon as the K, as soon as Kickstarter closed, mm-hmm. I put them back into KU. I, I reloaded yeah. them into KU immediately because I wasn't selling them anymore. Right. So right. they were no longer for sale. The, the K- Kickstarter was closed. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was an opportunity for, um, you know, I think you can do both. And, um, they, they, they dropped off in sales a little bit, but I just ran some, I ran some additional Facebook ads and got them back up to where they were before I pulled it out within a month. So I, I, I actually was looking, one of the things I was looking at was, would I lose money from what I was making in KU by taking it out for three weeks and doing a Kickstarter? And the, the end of, at the end of the day, no, I was able to be more profitable with Kickstarter. Um, and, and, and then do my marketing to get the books back up to where they were, um, in time over, Mm -hmm. over time back to the position they were at the beginning of the Kickstarter. Yeah. And that's really good to hear. I think a lot of KU authors have that question. Um, so we can just (laughs) show them you as an example of somebody, but, but like people are very afraid to pull their books from KU even for a short period. And they're like, Oh, I don't want to lose out on page reads. I don't want to have to climb my way back up. But like, 
really it's only, I mean, it's like a, like you said, like a three to four week period. So like less than a month even that the books were out and having those eBooks in the campaign, um, it helps it do so much better. Like the digital rewards are so popular on Kickstarter. Um, even, you know, so it's like, if all your marketing for that series is going toward Kickstarter anyway, it's kind of nice to have the eBooks selling there too. And it just, I mean, I, I kind of agree with you. I think for most authors, not every author, but for most authors, it makes so much sense to pull the books for that period and then like drop them back in. And, and like Amazon makes it so easy to pull the books kind of like at the last hour, <laughs> you know, like you can just email them and say like, Hey, can you let me out of my 90 day contract or whatever? Um, and so it just, it just seems like a no brainer to me, but I'm yeah, glad I to was, hear that. <laughs> I was lucky, well, and I was lucky this series had been wide. So they all went into Kickstarter at the same time. So they all came up at the end of Kickstarter at the same time too. Yeah. So it was easy for me to pull them all out just by going through and, you know, unchecking the box. Mm -hmm. um, but you're, you're right. People that are, have their books staggered because they've gone into Kickstarter different months and timeframes can still get, usually get them out pretty easily with an, with an email. And then when you put them back in, um, you, they'll all go back in on the same schedule, which will make it easier if you ever do it for subsequent books in the series or something. Did you see any of your sales? Because you still had the books on Amazon uh, while, while you were doing the Kickstarter campaign. Did sales of the books increase or did you see a drop? The sales stayed about the same for sales. Mm -hmm. um, and then my page reads actually, you know, the lag for page reads mm -hmm. carried over. I didn't really see the drop until the beginning of July um, where my page reads started to drop off uh, because the, the page reads are a lagging indicator for when people borrow the book. Sure, in, sure. In yeah. So, um, you know, things pr stayed pretty steady through June for me. Um, and the sales continued to stay about the same level. So I think people that weren't in KU were still buying the books um, as they found them either organically or maybe because of the Kickstarter campaign. I really don't know the, the difference. I'd stopped running ads because I was focused on the Kickstarter. Yeah, that's really interesting. Cause, and I don't think your experience is that unusual. Cause that, another question people always ask us is like, you know, does, does Kickstarter cannibalize your, like they ask us, does Kickstarter cannibalize your launch? Which we, we feel the answer is no, especially if it's, you know, six months after or whatever. Um, but then the other question is, does Kickstarter cannibalize your sales or like your, you know, does, does it like mess up your page reads and all that stuff? And, you know, we always tell people like we we haven't heard any any single person in our group say like, "Hey, our you know my sales have plummeted because I did a Kickstarter." Um, so we our assumption is that they don't, and it's good to hear you kind of confirm like you're you know like you're just, like everything was fine on Amazon. Like you were able to step away for a month basically with this series, and you we know, and I know you have a backlist, but yeah, well, I was to say you're very smart also by doing a backlist series that like you know had been out for a long time and revitalizing it you know most people you know the kickstarter model the kickstarter the ku model is to make write so many books at a time that most ku authors like after a couple of years have 20 10 20 30 books that they've launched so like i would also you're probably not going to put your like i you probably shouldn't put your front list book like catalog out there but like there's probably some series that you have that you can also try like jamie has as well 
You know, my next my next campaign, Kickstarter campaign, is going to be. I have a backlist series that I actually have a new book coming out in. So I'm going to launch that book in Kickstarter first. At the time that 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 series cycles out of KU, so the previous six books will come out of KU. I'll make them available as part of the Kickstarter campaign. The new book will come out to bring in people from my list into the campaign, and and my goal is to really is to hit the 10k mark on this, and I think I can do it because more of my fans are going to come in for a new book. I think, yeah, and so I'll be able to bring that many more people to the table to get the book early. And then hopefully that will help juice some of the, the Kickstarter finding, um, findability or whatever, searchability, I guess. I love that so much because so often people are like fans ask writers, like, how do I get this book when you're it's not in KU and you're giving people basically like people have different ways to do it, whether it's putting it wide for two weeks or like doing it on Patreon or all this ways. But like, this is a way not only to get your, your, your Kindle fans to buy the book, but also say, well, also, if you are a fan of mine and you don't work on you don't you're not in KU and you don't like uh, Amazon like here's your option to get it wide so like I think for all of these reasons like really great to hear all of this stuff we are coming up on the end of our time together I see Amy is in the back room so we want to give you a chance to uh, tell us where you can where we can find you give us a little tip and then we'll say uh, goodbye well, I'm going to say uh, find me at jamiedavisbooks.com or if you're going to 20 Books Vegas, I'm the deputy conference director. So Yay. you'll probably see me running <laughs> hither and yon back and forth. But please stop me at least long enough to wave. So I hope if you're there and you do that. Um, and my tip would be um, to really, really consider Kickstarter as another avenue, another you know, leg on your stool. I, I, I was once taught as an entrepreneur, never have a one-legged stool that you've got to have a stool with multiple sources of income, really multiple legs to sit on. So if one of them goes away, your stool doesn't fall over. Um, so I would say, you know, consider making Kickstarter a, a real part of your business model moving forward. Awesome. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Jamie. Thank you for spending a little time with us. Uh, we'll say thank bye you. to you. Uh, bye, Jamie. Bye-bye. It's great to talk to you. Thank you so much for hanging out with Monica and Russell on the Kickstart Your Book Sales podcast. If you found this episode helpful, make sure to visit kickstartyourbooksales.com free to download our best resources to help supercharge your author career and take it to the next level starting today.